0: Again, Happy Mother's Day to everyone who is a mother or who is going to be a mother, everyone who has a mother, everyone who acts as a mother to children not their own. And thank you so much to all who planned and prepared and participated in the taco party last, on Friday night. It was a lot of fun and very kind of all who participated the gift, a full set of Bible commentary with a bookcase, (laughs) was just too much, but it's just what I need. And the cards and the gifts and the sentiments have all really touched my heart. My cup is running over. The lectionary readings we use are organized on a three-year cycle. We can always know exactly what readings will be heard on any given Sunday in an Episcopal church. So when I knew this day was to be my last here at St. Peter's a couple of months ago, I immediately went to the lectionary to see what, the, what readings were assigned. <laughs> and when I saw the psalm appointed was the 23rd, I knew it was there that I would draw my inspiration. We most often hear the 23rd Psalm at funerals. We heard it yesterday for Frank Jordan. But if we can forget how we all learned it as children and look at it through our adult eyes and experience, we can see it as a psalm of life and not of death. In his book, Out of the Depths, the Psalms speak for us today Noted Hebrew scripture scholar Bernard W. Anderson wrote about Psalm 23. The Davidic king or the psalmist discerns a meaning flowing through his life which he can account for only by saying that Yahweh like a shepherd who guides his sheep into the right trails that are beneficial for the flock has been directing his life along a course that leads toward fulfillment. The psalmist is aware of threats to his existence, but even more he is aware of God's saving action, bestowed only for the sake of his divine honor, because God's nature is gracious. Some have suggested that the shepherd's psalm was composed by a person who in the maturity of life looked back across the years and traced the purpose of God through the whole story. So this is the story of how God's goodness and mercy pursued me here at St. Peter's. And this story came about a couple of months ago, back at the beginning of the year, when Greg asked the staff to write up a job description of what each of us actually do, not necessarily what is assigned in our contracts. (laughs) which those lists, you know, tend to be different, and to include a narrative of how we see those roles. And I really was appreciative of that because it sort of forced me to look back on my time here. And so this is a portion of that narrative, and I apologize in advance to the vestry because they've already heard it. (laughs) In July of 2016, Bishop Benfield asked me to serve here at St. Peter's as a deacon. Not long after that, I found out that Terry Daly was in the process of leaving. But I was unable to share that information with anyone for a long time. Knowing that her leaving would be a serious change for the congregation, I understood my role to be one of steadiness and presence. When Bob Brown, Linda Brown, and I were all here together, that is how we saw our roles to shepherd St. Peter's as well as we knew how through the changes at the time. And thankfully, our Iona training served us well. Since Terry's departure, I've been here through Bob Brown's interim tenure, Jerusalem Greer's departure for the National Church, Greg Warren's calling as rector, John Churchwell's departure for the Northeast, and the untimely death of our beloved Linda Brown. Been through a lot together in the last five and a half years, haven't we? Frequently in my moments of anxiety and doubt, I felt God's presence with me here, steadying me to keep doing the work. To this day, I understand my role to be one of steadiness and presence. And I hope that I have fulfilled that understanding. I am a priest today because of my time and experience here at St. Peter's. This congregation drew those gifts I possess out of me and showed me that I could shepherd them in some small way despite my own misgivings. And I am forever grateful to you all for the way it all worked out. And I must thank Greg personally for allowing and sometimes insisting that our roles be shared equally when it comes to presence in the liturgy and here in the pulpit. Greg understands the importance of a woman's voice here at St. Peter's. I am deeply grateful to him for allowing me to grow into my role as priest here. His confidence in me gave me confidence in myself to take on this new solo job. And there aren't many male priests who would do that. And Greg and I have also talked about continuing to try to grow the partnership between St. Peter's and St. Nicholas. We've already shared three blue Christmas services. We've shared a few Thanksgiving baskets with members up there this past year. I would like to expand their food pantry offerings as well. And I know a place that has a pretty good one. Also, one of their members wants to get married right here in December we're giving him the five-finger family discount. (laughs) So you'll see me around from time to time. The story of God and God's chosen people doesn't dwell too long in nostalgia for the past, nor is there much settling in the present. There is always a sense of movement toward the future. Like Israel, we are summoned always to go with God as our shepherd, into the future where surely God's goodness and mercy will follow or more accurately pursue us all the days of our lives. One more thing. I want you all to remember, here it goes. (laughs) Warren, it's 1122. (laughs) I want you all to remember how important this place is. Not just to those of us who love this church, but to this community. The psalmist refers to the valley of the shadow. We are certainly in the valley of the shadow now. Not so much the shadow of death, because we really don't fear that. But more like the shadow of fear. Fear seems to have hold of so many people. Fear of the unknown fear of losing power, fear of losing freedom. Remember when you were young and were afraid of the dark, perhaps? What was the one thing that could make your fear go away? For me, it was the turning on of the light. For Conway, St. Peter's is that kind of light, the kind that drives away the shadow, the fear my hope is that St. Nicholas in Malmel will be the same kind of light, driving back the shadows and the fear. In Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, when the shadows were long and deep and dark, the beacons of Gondor were lit, so that the communities of humankind would know, although they were far apart, that they were not alone. I hope it will be like that between us now. We may not be able to see one another, but we'll know the light burns in both places, the light of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you'll come and see us there sometime. The door will always be open to you. I give thanks that God's goodness and mercy have certainly pursued me in my life and ministry here at St. Peter's, and I believe it will continue to pursue me as I go to St. Nicholas. I know God's goodness and mercy will continue to pursue you all here. Keep the light burning. My cup and my heart are truly running over. I love you. God bless you all. Amen.